0: Hello, hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Well, Brain, that was not the ending to the season that most of us envisioned. We should have probably, um, maybe, maybe we should have.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should have, but we got excited. And we got excited. Uh, we bought it, it, in. It, yeah. And, uh, when you buy in, that's when this team breaks your heart. That's what they and, do. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What would be more heartbreaking? The, the way that they lost, just getting completely and utterly dismantled, uh, and, and really not showing up. Or had they, you know, played a really close game and, and lost a, you know, a nail biter, would that have been more heartbreaking? I'm not sure, but, uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, you, you lose. You didn't make the playoffs. It's a ten-win season. It was nice. It was a fun season,
0: but it didn't end the way you wanted it to, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's it just didn't it, the way it is. Yeah, it's just it didn't end the way that we wanted it to. But I mean, quite frankly, I don't know that it was ever going to end the way that anybody wanted it to, because I don't think this season was ever going to end with the Dolphins raising the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, obviously, that yeah, would been a, that would have been considering- a bridge too far. Yes, I know. The the, yeah, uh, the goal. I mean
1: considering c- the goal was to make the playoffs. If if this team wins that game on Sunday and is playing in the playoffs, whether it's against Buffalo again or it's against the Colts or or whoever it would have uh, or the Titans or whoever it would have been against and they go out and they lose regardless of the result, you're feeling really good that you're that you're watching a playoff game at that point you feel like you're really playing with house money to a certain respect though uh you know you're kind of playing with house money uh all season long especially going into this
0: game uh against Buffalo totally agree totally agree that it was house money I mean particularly really that you know you looking at that entire month of December it really felt like this was a Dolphins team that was playing with house money because if they make the playoffs fantastic that's icing on the cake but once it appeared that once this team was winning and playing competitive games and and really like kind of blowing teams out of the water really uh I mean at that point it was just like okay we see who this team is and what we learned is that this team is an above average NFL team it, but not an elite NFL team. And that was evidenced by the fact that when we went up against teams that you might consider legitimate Super Bowl contenders, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Seattle Seahawks, we came up short. You know, look at the look at the six games the Dolphins lost this season, right? Six games. Uh winning ten games, losing six games. That's a that's a pretty good season by most measurements. And the six games you lost, you lost twice. To Buffalo, who is among the best, very best teams in the NFL. You lost once to Kansas City, who are the Super Bowl defend the defending Super Bowl champions and who are odds-on favorites to return to the Super Bowl again. The number one seed in the East, a team that lost twice this season and once only because they didn't play anybody in their final game of the season. Um, and you lose to the Seattle Seahawks, a team that has a Super Bowl pedigree um, with their head coach and quarterback, and you know a team that while well, probably not the number one favorite to come out of the NFC, is definitely among the contenders in the NFC. And so, and then, okay, and then you lost two other games. You lost uh, a pretty bad, pretty disappointing showing at altitude in Denver against the Broncos. Very crafty defense, uh, you know, that Vic Fangio coaches that team, and it was it was a tough game. And that one is a game that the Dolphins really should have won, almost did win, in fact, but you know probably should have performed better and then they lost in week 1 against a new look patriots team that really nobody had any kind of idea exactly what that team was going to look like and you know they hadn't had a preseason so they were all out of sorts so it's not to make any excuses but it's like there are two losses <laughs> on that schedule excuses. but there are two <laughs> losses on that schedule that you go back and you look at those two losses and you go okay those are two that i think the dolphins if that if they could have played those games at different times those are games that the dolphins could go back if you play those games again under the same circumstances that the Dolphins probably win but you know those other four losses you got whooped up on by by the big boys and the Dolphins aren't ready to compete with the big boys yet at least not this season yeah and
1: I mean I'm not gonna sit here and and play that whole game because I Look, the Dolphins had some really good games in the middle of the season, but I mean, a player two goes a different way in that Arizona game, and that's a game that the Dolphins lose. Uh, if, if the Dolphins don't get that barrage of second quarter plays against the Rams, uh, which I mean, look, they earned those plays, but you get a, a strip sack, uh, and a punt return for a touchdown, uh, and then they didn't really have to do much in that game. Now, granted, the defense had an outstanding performance in that game. But if they don't get those, you know, a couple of big-time plays uh, that I'm not going to call them fluky plays, but they're not necessarily plays that you can count on getting, uh, then, then that's a game that could have a different result. I wouldn't say that if you played that Denver game 10 times, we would win it 8 out of 10 times. I think based on what i saw in that game i think if you played that game 10 times uh, the best the dolphins are hoping for is winning 6 out of 10 i think uh denver kind of handled miami in that game it wasn't a and and i think that that's kind of a sobering fact here is that when you look at the dolphins save for a stretch there where i think the defense and the special teams Was really playing at an extremely high level right around the midway point of the season. The Dolphins really over the past, I don't know, six, seven games or so really weren't this great team. They, they were a team that when that was fortunate to play some of the worst teams in the league. And took advantage of that. And even struggled a little bit in those games against the Jets and the Bengals at times. Uh And then found ways to win a couple of other... I mean, look. That Vegas game. <laughs> that's another game. that you, you, you play that game ten times. I don't know how many times the Dolphins are going to win it. I, I think the Dolphins... At, at the end of the day, they did what they had to do to put themselves in position to make the playoffs. But they were really... A, you said an above average team and the, the point differential and the final record would tell you that they're an above average team. So I'm not going to argue that, but I think they're closer to an average team this year than they were a really good team. I think they were the, the thing is, is that a year ago, the Miami Dolphins were one of the worst teams in the, in the NFL. We were one of the five or six worst teams and the, it was just those were the bad teams. And every year we talk about how there's about 16 to 20 teams that are, you know, right there in the middle and, you know, based on how the injuries play out or a play here, a play there, a kick here, a kick there. They could be anywhere from six and 10 to 10 and six. And that's where this Dolphins team was. And that's not a bad thing when you consider. Where they were last year and that a year ago, they were, I mean, they completely tanked and were actually finished with a record much better than most anticipated. I think most people last year would have said, hey, if this team wins three games, it's an amazing year. And they won five. Uh, And I think most people said coming into this year, hey, if this team can win eight games, that would be a solid season. If they can have a winning record, that would be a really good season. If they win 10 games, that's going to be a great season. And frankly, 10 10 wins is going to get you into the playoffs, especially when they expand the field to seven teams. Didn't happen this year because, of course, if there's a team that can win 10, 10 games in a seven game playoff field and not make the the playoffs. That's your Miami Dolphins. I believe now we're the only team to win 10 games and miss the playoffs twice. I could be wrong on that, uh, but it's happened twice now. Um, But look, all things considered, I don't think that we need to exaggerate how good this team was, but I don't think we need to be overly disappointed that they didn't make the playoffs. I think the team... He's kind of right on track where where they're supposed to be and the record looks a lot better and then when I think I think the record kinda I think correlates to the job of Brian Flores and the coaching staff in that they've they're getting the most out of these guys. And they're putting game plans together to come away with wins. And we're playing winning football because we're doing the little things well. We're not getting penalized. We're being sound in the kicking game. We're winning the turnover battle. Those are little things that are actually really big things when it comes. Oh, we're, we're really good. We have a great third down defense. Of course, the problem is is that in the culmination of the season in a game to get you into the playoffs, all of those things went awry. It re- <laughs> really, and, it was literally the absolute- everything that the Dolphins did well the entire year uh, just kind of fell apart and they reverted. They looked m- much more like the five and 11 Dolphins from last year than than the 10 and five Dolphins this year.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that this is a, a young football team. I think we were the second youngest team in the National Football League this year. And I think that, what we saw was a team that peaked a little bit too early this season. I think, you know, I think that this was a team that was playing their very best football in October, November, that in October and the early part of November was when this team was playing its very best football. And really, if you look down the stretch at the last, you know, four or five games, it, it was it was okay at times, but it wasn't as impressive as it had been earlier. And granted earlier it was against some of the the weaker opposition on their schedule but you know I think it, it was just it was a team that peaked a little early and and ran out of gas and in that last game of the season when you've got a young team like that and they're inexperienced it it's very easy for a game to sort of get away from them. And that's exactly what happened in this game against Buffalo. I mean, as soon as Buffalo hit that punt return, Isaiah McKenzie returns that punt for a touchdown. That was when it was like, oh no, oh, this is going to be a problem. And they were really climbing uphill from there. And they just sort of gave themselves too much to do. And there was really no way to, 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 to get out of it. And from there they had to play loose and they put themselves into very predictable game scripts because there was, there was only one thing for them to do. They couldn't establish the the running game. They could only really try to throw it. And, you know, Chan Gailey decides, okay, well, we're going to let Tua let it rip. But Buffalo was just sitting back waiting for it. And, you know, and then the fact that, to have found somebody, you know, would hit receivers in the hands and they couldn't hold on to the ball. That's kind of problematic and it's also emblematic of what this Dolphins offense has looked like all season, which is just a little bit frustrating. But we're, we're going to get into it in this game. We're not going to dwell too much on our standard good, bad, and ugly conversation when it comes to that game, just because, I mean, it's pretty clear that most of it was bad and most of it was ugly. But we'll, we'll touch on that very briefly. But first, um, if you're not doing so already, make sure that you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We invite you to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate everybody leaving some positive feedback. We appreciate that. Um, Also, youtube.com. Do a search for Dolphins Talk, all one word, and join the Dolphins Talk YouTube page. Hi, YouTube. How you doing? Um, Thanks to everybody that has recently subscribed to the channel. Got a lot of new subscribers coming through to the Dolphins Talk page. Um, We appreciate all the feedback that you're leaving over there on the YouTube page as well. Don't forget to go to dolphinstalk.com each and every day because it is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins and it's the place to get all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information particularly as we head into the off season where there is going to be some news and we'll uh, we'll get into a little bit of the early off season news here in just a moment but first I want to tell everybody about our friends at Patch Vibes. Brand, you got your patches over there? Do you get your patches from I got Patch my patches.
1: Vibes? Look at that! I got my patches. I got that one. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah, you got the
0: ones that I got. Yep, they got the Shula patch.
1: Shula and the and the mid nineties to early two thousands. Dolphins. That's right. Logo. The, the, the uh, teal green dolphins, is I
0: like to We're gonna for, that logo will, for, from now on, forever be known as the teal green dolphins logos. Folks, Patch Vibes is a Miami-themed patch pins and t-shirt site. Classic anniversary patches. The most popular, the Shula patch, and the Dolphins GTA and that night in Vegas fits shirt. Whether it's current or throwback fins, they have it. So we invite you to head over to patchvibes.com and you can get 20% off of your order by using the promo code JOSH. That's patchvibes.com. Set yourself up with some patches. And these are really cool. They're just, they're basically just adhesive. It's just adhesive that you can take it off. You can stick it on your laptop. You can stick it on, you know, whatever surface that you have available that you want to put the patch on. Or if you want to... Put it on a jersey or a piece of clothing. You can sew it onto those, which is a, a good idea. Because especially if you've, got, if you've got your jersey, you got your new Dolphins jersey, you want to put a Shula patch on for a little bit of extra authenticity, go ahead and sew it right on to your jersey. And what if you've got a throwback jersey? Let me tell you what, they've got the throwback color Shula patch as well. So we invite you to head on over, visit patchvibes.com, and get yourself some fresh new Miami Dolphins gear we are very thankful to our friends at Patch Vibes for uh, sending their patches along to us and we hope that you will go and check out some of their merch again use the promo code Josh that's J-O-S-H to save 20% off of your order Brain, good, bad, and ugly on this Buffalo game. We can start with the good. It's going to take us about five seconds. The good was Byron Jones made a hell of an interception. Xavier Howard got his 10th interception of the season. And Devontae Parker toughed it out, went out there and played and did okay in the second half of this game. And uh, I think that's about it. That's about, that's about it for the good.
1: That that about covers it. I mean, Devontae Parker when they threw him the ball, uh he he made some plays. Uh didn't didn't see much action in the first half, but when they they started to air it out a little bit, uh made some big throws. Of course he did fall down and uh that led to an interception, so that didn't help. But no uh, no aside from it, that. It, it I didn't just
0: lead to an interception, it was a pick six, a Josh Norman pick yeah. six.
1: Right. Uh but that sucked. But all things considered I I thought he had a good game, but, uh, Nobody really had a good game. Like even Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, they made a couple of plays, but they didn't have good games. No, it
0: was was not a good game. And this was just a team that seemed to have run out of gas by the end of it. And it didn't help the fact that they were up against one of the most potent offenses in the NFL. And we were calling all week, hoping that Buffalo was going to rest their starters and that they weren't going to go all out. But Josh Allen played the whole damn first half and he absolutely roasted the Dolphins again. And we didn't seem to really have... much of an answer. We we sort of did an okay job stifling him for the first few series, but then after that, he just sort of started to let it rip. And then, I mean, and he was doing that without Cole Beasley on the field. Granted, they had John Brown, and they, but and they had Isaiah McKenzie, but. You know, I mean, after that, the rest of this game was just bad and ugly. It was the defense running out of gas, getting gashed in the second half by a practice squad running back. It was Matt yeah. Barkley throwing bombs and, and, and granted we were playing, we were coming with zero blitz and, you know, we were getting beat over the top, but that's not something that has happened much this season. You know, our Xavier uh, and Howard and Byron Jones have played well enough um to be able to, handle those wide receivers when when we've brought zero blitz and you know in this situation we weren't able to so it was bad I mean Tua was bad in this game for for large chunks of time that does that's not to say that there weren't some moments and some throws that he made in this game that weren't good because he did have some moments but for the most part Tua didn't look great in this game and he had a couple of he had a couple just absolute stinkers when it comes to bad passes and missed targets. Um, and you know, we we finally got to see what happens when Tua could just sort of let it loose with no reservations, and it resulted in a bunch of interceptions. Granted, a lot of those you gotta credit receivers with the assists for tipping the ball into the air, or failing to make a catch, but whatever it is. I'm not trying to make excuses. Tua did not have a good game here. He probably had his worst game of the season. And the problem is, in this final game of the season with everything on the line is that the vast majority of the Miami Dolphins had their worst game of the season today or, or, or on Sunday which was like listen it's disappointing and i understand why people were so fed up and why there were people who you know were were cursing them and and calling them the same old dolphins and and all of that i get it i get that aggravation because you hate that a team that has performed well for most of the season comes to this the biggest game with it all on the line the game that means the most And they just absolutely laid an egg and that is, is disappointing. And there are very emotional responses from that. And I think they're going to continue to be emotional responses from that because it's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths. But, you know, hopefully we can get through that and then start to look with positive eyes into the off season and be able to sort of look from the wider view. If you saw the solo episode that I did Sunday night, you heard me talk about the importance of looking at things from a wider view, and we're going to do that in just a minute. But first, I want to give you a chance, Brain, to give your reaction, your reaction to the bad and the ugly from this game on Sunday.
1: I mean, it's nothing that, I, that we haven't already said on this show. I mean, it was everything that the Dolphins had done well all season long, it seemed to disappear. Um, and the game plan went out the window. I mean, the game plan for this team, the recipe for success for this team all year long has been defense and special teams, offense, taking care of the ball, being efficient uh when they when they need to and and putting together long drives and uh the defense was awful the special teams gave up a a punt return for a touchdown and uh the offense was was pretty dreadful for the for for the, pretty much the entire first half and then you know in the second half it it turned into a turnover fest so it it's it was a pretty terrible all-around game it it was pretty much the exact opposite game script that you would want uh, for this team uh, for the way that they were built and the way that they were designed to win football games this year and it's just it's just a reminder that one uh they're not where they need to be yet and two they have uh a lot of improvements to make because it's still a very flawed team and uh it, it's a, I think it was a reminder that there's a long way to go. It's not that, that when you look at a 10 and five team and you think, oh, we were a win away from being 11 and five. What a great season that would have been. Um, but you, you had the, you had a game to win the playoffs. So you had essentially a playoff game and, you, and you played that team, that team's starters for a half. You got dominated in the first half. And then you come out in the second half and you put together a statement drive to make things interesting. And then you continue to still get dominated by Matt Barkley and a bunch of backups. Uh, that's very concerning going forward. And it's just a reminder that this team, uh, not only are they not ready yet to, to hang with the big boys, the elite teams, the Bills and the Chiefs and the Seahawks of the world. Uh, but right now they're, they're not really a playoff team. And yeah, I know that we, we've got a win over a playoff team in the Rams and, uh, we look good at times, but it's been two months since the Dolphins have looked really like a playoff team. We, we found ways to win games and there's, there's value in that, but you know, and people are not going to like this analogy or this comparison that I, that I bring up right here. But the fact is, the fact is, is that this is true is that, you know, Adam Gase's playoff team Dolphins they they made the playoffs by finding ways to win games, even though the talent really wasn't there. And Tony Sperano's Dolphin team that made the playoffs made the playoffs in spite of not really having a ton of talent. Um, and things kind of reverted back to the mean the following year. Now, the difference, I think, with this team, as opposed to those teams... Is one, I mean, there's a few differences. The biggest one is the youth of this team and the position that this team is in as far as cap flexibility and draft capital. And two, the second biggest one is that we do all those little things well. We have the look of a really well coached football team. And so it leads me to believe that. Uh, The arrow is pointing up. But we've been here before. And so I'm not... Look, what I said on on Twitter uh, a couple days ago was that, look, we should absolutely be excited about the future of this team. This was a really good season for a really young team. And it was... uh, And they surpassed expectations. But the fact is that now... They have real expectations. Next year, the expectation for this football team is going to be to make the playoffs. And as excited as we should be about that, the fact is that is not a foregone conclusion and it's far from it. This team has a ton of work to do to get themselves to that point. And I'm not going to be shocked if they revert. To an eight and eight football team next year. And if they do, you're going to have a lot of people that are starting to look, not just at Tua, but also at Brian Flores, because Brian Flores, well, look, he's done a great job and nobody, nobody, myself included is saying anything other than Brian Flores has done a great job, but he's gotten a complete pass the first year and the second year, because this team has had virtually no expectations. This season, this uh, next season, is going to be the first season in Brian Flores' coaching career where the
0: Dolphins have real expectations. And that's true for a number of reasons. First off, the the team is needs, everybody's going to expect them to continue on that upward trajectory that they've been on. But the other thing is that well, they they announced it today. Let me read this quote to you today that was um from Chris Greer in uh their press conference today that uh Chris Greer and Brian Flores met with the media today for their sort of postseason recap and And Greer told reporters on Tuesday, Tua, we are very happy with. He's our starting quarterback. He did a nice job this year coming in as a rookie with no offseason and the challenges of dealing with all that. We're very happy with that and looking forward to watching him progress here over the next offseason and going into next year. Later, he added, we want to be clear that Tua's our starter and we're very happy with his development so far. They made the commitment, the complete commitment that Tua is going to be the quarterback. And there was a lot of consternation and a lot of chatter on Twitter that the Dolphins, because they ended up with the number 3 overall pick in the draft, thank you, Bill O'Brien, thank you, Houston Texans, because they ended up with that draft pick, that they were going to be in a unique position. Thank you, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, thank you, Ryan Tannehill. Thank you for your contributions. Um, But they because of the fact that they've got that number three pick, they're going to be in a position where if they wanted to, they would be able to draft in all likelihood, one of Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, the two of the highly touted quarterbacks in in this quarterback heavy draft that is coming up. So a lot of people said, well, this is an opportunity for this front office and for this regime, if they're not fully committed to Tua, to sort of get a mulligan on it and draft a new quarterback and and have a quarterback con- competition and, and find a guy. Instead, it seems, and you know, this isn't, you can't take them completely at their word, but I think most of us can probably buy into what they're saying. This isn't gamesmanship. And I think we can say that they seem to be committing pretty firmly to Tua Vailoa as this team's quarterback. And what that means is that if Tua does not take a significant step forward next season, that this combination of Brian Flores and Chris Greer are going to be in a lot of hot water and they are going to be on the hot seat because they have now staked their jobs to Tuatunga-Vailoa. They were the ones, they they evaluated him and they made an assessment of Tuatunga-Vailoa that he is the talent that is going to lead this team and be this team's next great franchise quarterback. And they have an opportunity to, to fix that if they were wrong right now. Granted, I would say if they turns out they were wrong and they were abandoning ship after one season, it means that they think they were really wrong. And that is problematic in and of itself. But if they make this commitment and they decide that all they need to do is add talent around and they bring in an elite wide receiver and they draft, you know, in a high wide receiver, draft a wide receiver high in the draft, and they, they pick up some other skill players and, and put a lot of talent around Tua, and Tua does not take a significant step forward, these conversations are only going to get louder. So let's say Tua has a slightly improved season next year, but not significantly improved. The Dolphins maybe take a step back, finish nine and seven or eight and eight. Suddenly it's a problem. Now, do I think that's going to happen? I'm refusing to believe that at this point. I'm thinking this team is going to take another step forward in the offseason at this point. At least that's where I am in in, in my thought process here. But now they've doubled down. They've doubled down. They've made their commitment to Tua. And we're going to see where we are come next season after we have an opportunity to go through the draft and free agency and bring in some uh, talent to surround Tua with. Because it's not like Tua had a... A bad season. You you hear all of this, you know, chatter from people, and you know, and we'll get to. Um, Melody sent us a question on Twitter that I want to get to in a second. But Tua Tagovailoa's numbers. I think he started ten games this season. So if you take his numbers and you extrapolate them out over the course of sixteen games, he ends up with three thousand two hundred eighteen yards, twenty touchdowns, nine interceptions, one hundred ninety four yards rushing, six rushing touchdowns, two fumbles, and eighty eight point two passer rating. Which for a rookie. That ain't half bad. You know, I think you'd accept that. I, I think most people would accept that. I know that this year everything is skewed because everybody's looking at the ridiculous season that Justin Herbert is having in LA with the Chargers and everybody's going, oh my gosh, the Dolphins screwed up. But I, I think that Justin Herbert and the season that he is having is the exception to the rule of what you would expect out of a rookie quarterback. And, and Tua is probably a little bit closer to what you might, what might be the average season for a rookie quarterback making his first start or, you know, making, having his first go round. Um, so Brian, let me pose this to you. What, what Melody asked. She said, why are there fans out there? that are already giving up on Tua and this regime. This regime deserves an A+. Granted, it was a sour ending, but several months ago, I wasn't even sure if Tua was going to play this season. And yeah, his rookie campaign was a disappointment, but why are people writing him off? I'm not expecting an actual answer to this question, but I'm in a particularly salty mood this morning.
1: Well, look, she answered the question in her own question. She said, yeah, Tua's rookie campaign was disappointing. And, and that's, that's the thing is that it's not about the numbers. Cause at the end of the day, if you just looked at the numbers, you'd say, okay, it was fine. And, and I think largely you would look at that and you would say, yeah, all right, it's fine. But the problem is, is that he looks like he's got physical limitations. And that is very concerning. If he doesn't have, The arm strength, if, if whatever, you know, if the, if, whether it was the hip injury or maybe it was just sort of a mirage because we've seen this with college quarterbacks before that come to the NFL and then the speed of the game just looks different. And all of a sudden that arm strength just does not look good enough. Um, whether, whether it was the hip injury and he's just not doesn't have that same zip on the ball at least consistently uh or he just never had it to begin with the fact is is that there at times he has looked like he has physical limitations and that's something that if he's physically limited it puts a cap on his ceiling it means that you know, the bet, like, it doesn't mean he can't be a great quarterback. I mean, Drew Brees does not have a rocket of an arm and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So I- I'm not going to sit here and say that like, because Tua doesn't have a rocket for an arm, he can't be a great quarterback. I absolutely think that he can, but for quarterbacks that don't have a great arm, Drew Brees is kind of the exception to the rule. Uh, what other quarterbacks can you think of? I mean, Tom Brady, I guess, but to, to me, Tom Brady had a pretty strong arm, and and his knock was, I think, just people didn't really know he was like an unknown commodity because he was splitting time with Drew Henson at, at Michigan, uh, and and so pe- he just kind of went under the radar. It wasn't really physical tools. With with Tua, he seems to have the nuances of the position. Uh, he seems to pick things up and I think that's extremely important, but you wonder is his upside capped because of what appears to be, uh, you know, not, not, not a very good, you know, below average arm strength. And, and that's a, it's a legit concern. And when you look at the way this season ended with Tua's last handful of starts, uh yeah, I mean he had a good game against Cincinnati. He had a stretch he had a stretch there in the fourth quarter against Kansas City where he looked really good, but he got benched against the Raiders and make no mistake about it, if it wasn't for Ryan Fitzpatrick having COVID, he'd have gotten benched in this one as well. Uh so it was it it was concerning and like what I'll say is this is that I don't think anybody should be writing off Tua, but a lot of people will. And a lot of people will be saying that the Dolphins should draft one of these quarterbacks. Uh whether or not they they do, uh whether or not you believe Chris Greer, uh, that that's that's up to you. I don't want to get into all of that. Uh but what I'll say is is that absolutely nobody should be 100% sold. Oh yeah. Nobody should be a hundred percent all in that, that Tua is definitely going to be the next great franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins because he did not do enough to prove that. Did he do enough to get, uh, the job next year? I believe he did, but I wouldn't necessarily, uh, fault the Dolphins for keeping their eyes open if they think that there there might be an upgrade there because I don't think that he did enough to just put to rest any notion that he's not going to be the franchise absolutely
0: and I I let's be clear here if the Dolphins were interested in picking a quarterback with that third pick that I don't believe is something that they would necessarily share with everybody exactly
1: exactly. and let me let me put this so let's 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 put on the tin hat here here we uh, go because here I we know go we're we, need get a, we need a
0: jingle we need a jingle to play here for um it's an Aaron the brain conspiracy theory. Here we go. Aaron the brain's going <laughs> to so, put on his Alex Jones hat. Here we go. Here we go. come sell me some probiotics let's go. So do you have that Tua
1: tweet on hand?
0: Yes, I do have the Tua tweet. Let me read it to you you here. Can you read that Tua tweet? Tua tweeted today, and this was before the press conference. Yes. Thank you very much, Miami, for the opportunity. Exclamation point. Thank you to the fans for the support you show us all. Blessed to have been a part. And he said a part. He wrote a part as though he meant away. He means a part as he is a part of the team. Blessed to have been a part of the team with such great men. Grateful to the man above for this journey. He's helped me and is still helping me through. And then he quotes, roses will bloom again. I've got to say, this is the first time I've heard Stephen Ross referred to as the man above. Um, so that's interesting that, um, that Tua would say <laughs> Not that. Not sure about that's St- what he meant. Oh, what was he talking about?
1: I think he was uh, referring to, to Don
0: Shula. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Grateful to the man above. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, roses will bloom again. So, yeah, again, Tua says, thank you very much, Miami, for the opportunity. Thank you to the fans for the support you show us all. Blessed to have been a part of the of a team with such great men. Grateful to the man above. That's God, by the way. For this journey, he's helped me and is still helping me through. And then, quote, roses will bloom again roses will bloom again now i before you tell tell us your thing brain i'm gonna say this as soon as i read that quote from tua my thought was this is brilliant because whatever you want to read into this this tweet or it's it's actually an instagram post whatever you want to read out of this post you can get you know, this is, if you've ever seen that optical illusion with, is it a rabbit or is it a duck, duck or a rabbit, whatever it's you, everybody looks at it and see something different. This is the exact same thing. There are people that are going to look at this and say one thing, and there are people that are going to look at it and see another thing. And, and I think that's why it was crafted the way that it was. I just think it's brilliant piece of marketing from the Tua man. Yeah. I, I don't think he put that much thought
1: into it. I think... This came across as uh, an emotional post. He was filled with emotions, and he wanted to just put it out there. Now, to me, when it first came out, when you first you know retweeted it, I it it, sat, it read to me like like a guy who was like kind of resigned to like almost like a retirement this <laughs> was weird. It was really weird. <laughs> it, it felt like this is a guy that's kind of saying goodbye. But the roses will bloom again thing kind of said, well, okay, well maybe he's he's not retiring, but maybe this is he's maybe he's resigned to the fact that uh maybe the dolphins are going to move on from him. And then you've got the press conference a couple hours later and Chris Greer says, Hey, he's our guy. And then I'm just sitting there and I'm saying, well, yeah, like you're not going to say he's not your guy because if you say he's not your guy, then everybody knows that you're drafting a quarterback there, which does not behoove you at all, especially if you end up trying to trade to a Tunga Violoa. Uh, so it's just. You know, it 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 makes me wonder about the smoke screen. And then I got to thinking, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that Tua or somebody in Tua's camp has sort of let their emotions get the better of them on social media because it was Tua's camp, whether it was Tua or his agent. And you have to figure if it's Tua's agent, it's coming from Tua. It was Tua who leaked the decision of of Brian Flores to name him the starting quarterback going into the bye week. And a few weeks later, uh, after the, the injury and then he, sitting out a game, it was his agent uh, tweeting something out or doing a Facebook post about how he's going down to Miami to watch Tua kind of spilled the beans on uh something that Brian Flores and the team was trying to hold close to the vest that Tua was going to end up starting that game against Cincinnati. And so that's twice already that Tua has put things out there that he probably should not have put out there. Uh, you know, which weren't in the best interest of the team. They were simply, he was emotional and he put something out there, whether he put it out on social media or he talked to his agent. And so this might just be a thing that Tua does. And he might have said this, and this may very well have been Chris Greer just Doing the old cover up, doing the old smoke screen and saying, nothing to see here. Two oh is our God. guy. <laughs> doing the old Officer Bar Brady. Okay, nothing to see here. And, 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 and then uh, you know, come to draft day, uh, the Dolphins may be uh pulling a pulling an Arizona Cardinals uh move when they took Kyler Murray. The Dolphins might can, be taking Justin Fields.
0: Can somebody out there One of our listeners, surely somebody has some great Photoshop talent. Um, Can you put together some sort of Alex Jonesian thing, and and like whether it's a Photoshop (laughs) or something, and put the brain's face like like I want to take, I want a shirtless photo of Alex Jones or or a video of Alex Jones, like that thing where he's ripping his shirt off and he's growling at the microphone. But I want you to put Aaron the brain's head on him. Um, and then if somebody could make us a little jingle for that too, you know, with one of Aaron, the brain's conspiracy theories, we will insert that in future episodes because I don't know that I'm buying into that a hundred percent brain that is way out there. That is some super tinfoil hat stuff, but I'm not sure that I'm buying
1: into all that. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised and that it, it crossed my
0: mind. And like
1: stranger things have happened.
0: Hey. Yeah. Brain has clearly been licking the adhesive off of the patch vibes patches, and he's uh, he's having himself an evening over there. <laughs> he's having himself a night over there. Um, at, at any rate, the Dolphins announced that they're sticking with Tua for the off for now. At least that's. Listen, I, I still think I think there's probably going to be continue to be speculation on this for the rest of the off season, but. I I'm going to take Brian Flores and Chris Greer at their word and say that Tua is going to be the quarterback. And it, the goal is going to be to attract some high quality talent to put around to get a, a running back, a wide receiver. I mean, one of, listen, one of the wide receivers there just won the Heisman, the first wide receiver since 1991 to win the Heisman trophy. Devonte Smith is somebody that I know a lot of dolphin fans have their eyes on because he played with Tua at Alabama. Uh, can I see the Dolphins using number three pick in the draft on Devontae Smith? Probably not. I but, I could see it very. I see it very likely. But then again, they might. Because here's the thing: he's certainly not going to be there at eighteen. You know. If, well, the other the
1: other thing is, it is they're in a prime spot because there are three quarterbacks in this draft. Presumably, uh, Trevor Lawrence goes number one, and then you got the other two quarterbacks there. Uh, and the Dolphins, if they don't want to take one of those quarterbacks, they are in a prime spot to trade down uh, and get yeah multiple pit pick- and get a really a ransom of picks there, which has been the mo of this team since Chris Greer took over uh, the GM job a couple of years ago has been valuing accumulating all of these picks. Um and and it would seem to me that they would be in a great spot to do that. So they might be in a spot where they can trade down maybe three, four, five spots, still get a really great playmaker on offense, and pick up multiple picks, whether it's a, and probably an extra first rounder next year, an extra second rounder this year. And so the, it keeps the, you know, it keeps the whole like conveyor belt churning, uh, as far as young talent. Uh, so to me, they, they're in a prime spot to do that, but I think if they stay at three, I think you're looking at three players you're looking at well four players if you include the quarterback uh you're looking at e- you know either of fields or wilson a- at quarterback and whichever one is available you're looking at Devonte smith you're looking at Najee harris and i think you're looking at the offensive lineman uh from baylor who uh by all accounts seems to be they're talking about him like he's a generational talent at tackle which people will say, well, the Dolphins drafted two tackles last year and they started, you know, basically the entire year. Well, yeah, but they, they weren't amazing. And if you get a generational tackle, you can move one of those guys inside and it really serves to solidify your offensive line. Uh, so, I, but I think there's without a doubt.
0: They're going to go offense with their first pick. Oh, yeah! Uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah. and we'll have plenty of time to get into the draft in the off season. We, we're putting together our off season plans for this show right now, and we're going to fill you in on that next week when we come back for our season recap episode. At the end of that, we'll sort of talk you through what our off season plans are. But we're going to have plenty of time to speculate on the draft and what that's going to be like. I just, I'm pretty confident that there's going to continue to be chatter for uh pretty much this entire offseason because that's what dolphins twitter does but before we before we wrap things up here for this episode um because you know let's be honest listen i gave you my thoughts on where this team is headed the brain is sort of giving you his thoughts on that too the last sort of little piece of news that we want to talk about here is i mean we could talk about a couple other pieces of news like the dolphins named their team uh You know, their team MVP was Xavier Howard. Their leadership award was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we could talk about those things if we want, but I think we'll probably get into that stuff next week when we do our season recap stuff. But the other thing, that other sort of newsy thing that came out of the press conference today was that the Dolphins said that they expect all of their coaches to come back next season, which indicates that they are not going to be firing Chan Gailey despite the bogus report that came out on Monday that the Dolphins had fired Chan Gailey, which that was amazing. Um, But the Dolphins are not firing Chan Gailey. It sounds like there are no plans to fire him. That doesn't mean that he won't decide to retire again this offseason. But as of now, it sounds like this same core group of coaches, Josh Boyer, Chan Gailey, everybody's coming back next season.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. And, uh, we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that. Uh, the, whether Chan Gailey wants to, to come back or not. I mean, the, the thing that you risk is if, <clears throat> if Chan Gailey doesn't come back is you're going, uh, with your third offense, uh, your third different offense in three years. And granted, you had a lot of turnover this year. So it's really more like your second offense in two years. Um because I don't know that there's a, necessarily a replacement on the roster that's ready to be the offensive coordinator going forward. Now maybe they maybe they do feel like they have that guy. Uh I'm not I'm not sure on it. Um you know I I certainly don't think the problem <laughs> is in Chan Gailey's play design. I think people will question They'll say that he got far too conservative at times, but then I think a lot of people will also have to admit to themselves that when they did get aggressive at times, uh Tua, with, with Tua under center, it didn't always go the way that they wanted it to go. And there was probably a little bit of conservative play calling by design, simply because of the weapons around Tua, the fact that Tua was a rookie, and... Uh, the fact that this team just was designed to win based on defense and special teams. So, um, it'll be interesting to see that if, if Chan Gailey comes back next year and the offensive talent is upgraded, which I would assume that it would be, and Tua is now in year two and has a full off season of learning this offense as the starter, building a rapport with his teammates uh, to see if they get that great play design with a more aggressive play-calling style. Because I think that's what we all want. Because I don't think anybody can really uh, have a gripe with Chan Gailey's play design. Uh He seemed to really have a great year
0: when it came to that. Yeah, and I think it. ultimately, really, you can make the argument that it really does come down to weapons. Because you look at what happened... When Tua had a full slate of weapons available to him in that Arizona game, he was whipping the ball around yeah. like like crazy. And then from there, the injuries began to mount. You lose Preston Williams, you know, things start to sort of go south from there. And that's sort of when the productivity goes down. I mean, he, he was able to throw the ball around pretty well against Kansas City as well, but you know, it it was few and far between, but that game was like the glimpse of, oh, look at this. So just imagine what happens when Tua's got wide receivers that can get separation, you know, and, and it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to, un- to begin to unlock defenses in a way to create other room for other players. So if the Dolphins can, you know, get some more cohesion from their offensive line and get them to. Improve in their run run blocking, and they can get somebody closer to being a game changing running back. In addition to Miles Gaskin in that backfield, and they can bring in a wide receiver, a couple of wide receivers, an exciting rookie wide receiver, um, and and an electric veteran wide receiver. Well, whether it's Allen Robinson, whether it's Juju Smith Schuster, whether it's Marvin Jones Jr., whether it's uh, Will Fuller, whether it's whoever it is that the Dolphins decide to bring in, if you bring that person in and you pair them with Devontae Parker and then rather than having Devontae Parker be your number one receiver, which he's he's a good receiver. He's a solid NFL receiver. He is not an elite NFL receiver. If you've got an elite NFL receiver to pair with him, things are going to start to open up for the, that offense, especially with Mike Gasicki, who I think is continuing to... In, 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 evolve into a very good pass-catching tight end in this league and and is a a very good weapon. And in my opinion, an underrated weapon in the eyes of a lot of people in the National Football League. So adding those, those few offensive pieces can really make a huge difference. And if this offense takes a step forward in 2021, the way the defense takes, took a step forward in 2020, and the defense doesn't have a significant regression, and the defense can come even close to duplicating what they did this season, not only are you looking at a team that's going to make the playoffs, you're looking at a team that's going to make a run in the playoffs. And, you know, and that's, as you said at the beginning of the episode, there are now, there are now expectations. For this team. And as Tua said on Instagram, roses will bloom again. And folks, the Miami Dolphins will bloom again. Brain, any last words? I want to see it happen. We've been here before. This
1: was a really good season. This was. As far as Dolphin seasons in my memory, uh, there have only been a handful that I could honestly say, I when I looked at it, I'd say that was a satisfying season. I look at the Adam Gase playoff team, I look at the Tony Sperano playoff team. I look at the one year that Nick Saban was here when they started 3 and 7 but ended 9 and 7. They won the last 6 games of the season and they went into the off season feeling really good. I guess it was the first of Nick Saban's 2 years here. Um outside of those years, I can't think of another Dolphins season that left me Feeling positive, and I know it was a horrible end to the season, but overall, it was a it leaves you with a positive feeling going into next year. But all of those teams went into the following year with real expectations, and all of those teams failed to meet those expectations. So, I'm excited. But I'm not going to over exaggerate. I'm not going to exaggerate it. I think this team has a lot of work to do and they still have to, to prove to me that they're not the same old dolphins. Uh, because it, they, this team could easily go eight and eight next year and miss the play. Hell, they could go 10 and six next year and miss the playoffs. And that frankly would not be good enough this year. Uh, you know we're disappointed with how the season ended, but ten and six and missing the playoffs was good enough. Next year, if they go ten and six and miss the playoffs, we're going to be mad as hell. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, to me, they still have a long way to go to prove that they're not the same old Dolphins.
0: Absolutely, and you know what? We were very excited when it looked like the Patriots dynasty was over, because no longer. Was it the Patriots at the top of the hill? And it was a chance for the Dolphins to go to the top of the hill. Well, the Bills have gone to the top of the hill. And now the Dolphins are chasing Buffalo. And if this Dolphins team can turn it around, hopefully we can really reignite that Buffalo-Miami rivalry from the 90s. But it's going to take the Dolphins making continual steps forward because right now the bills are mopping the floor with us every chance they get so the dolphins need to improve in the off season and they need to make sure that they are not the same old dolphins we will be back next week with our season recap show we'll go over our preseason predictions and see how they all turned out we will probably give out some awards for the year we'll do all of those things And uh, and we'll give you uh, our plans for the offseason because it's a little earlier than we wanted it to be here. But the the offseason has arrived and uh, we've got we've got a lot of work to do. But you know what? It's going to be good work. It's going to be fun work. And it's going to be exciting because while the disappointing there is disappointment for how the 2020 season ended, that will soon fade and it will be replaced by excitement for 2021. And you just need to know that all of us here at DolphinsTalk.com and all of us, both of us here on the same old Dolphin Show will be here with you for all of it um, to keep you company and make sure that you are prepared and ready for that 21, 2021 season when it kicks off. So we will see you then. For now, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Dolphins
1: I planted a little rose bush and tended it with care. As began to
0: blossom, their sweet